they're our fans, you know. We, we, we're out there hanging out with them. We're sweating with them. We're drinking beers with them, you know. It's 100 and something degrees out of the festival. If they're going to show up, we're going to be there. We have a good time. We always have a good time every time we go out. Welcome to Tap That AZ Podcast, brought to you by Arizona Food and Beer. I am your guest host, Orlando Martinez, with Hangar 24 Craft Brewing. Um, Eric Walters, last we heard, was still in a sex cult down in Tucson. And still. Unfortunate, still. Unfortunately, everybody that we sent to retrieve him, we haven't heard from them either. So, the cult? Must yeah. be a pretty good cult. Uh, I'm, thinking, I... I'm thinking maybe I need to go rescue him. <laughs> I'll so. get on the list next time you guys put together yeah. people to go home. Good times, times. good times. I don't know if I, it's worth a four-hour drive, but... Uh, so... Today, we are in Lake Havasu City, Arizona, and we are at College Street Brew House and Pub, and I'm sitting with two gentlemen here, and... Uh, one gentleman. <laughs> and then the other one. Yeah, so tell us who you are and, and what do you do. I'm JT, College Street Brew House. I, uh, I was VP of Sales. See, I told you, that's what, as soon as he gets in front of the mic. Um, I'm Jason. Uh, I basically do production management and everything around here. I used to brew beer, but now we hired another one, so now I do logistics and all that additional stuff you know i was when we first were starting to talk about this and plan it out for me to come up here and talk to you guys i was really excited about it i still am okay but what i wanted to really bring to everybody's attention is the beer that you guys are, are pushing out of this this brewery and this is my opinion and i want your opinion on this as well in the valley in the phoenix valley you don't hear about college street that much okay and so I guess my question would be, you know, what's your thoughts about, you know, where you stand in the craft world here in Arizona, the popularity aspect? So, yeah, I just uh, uprooted from Havasu and uh, I moved to the Phoenix area full time. I, I was getting out there uh, once a month, once every other month sometimes. Havasu's a little far and um, been getting more chain activity, been doing more presentations. Spending more time with the distributors. So you see this upcoming, you see that fries, uh, bashes, quick trips. So uh, we're getting a lot of chain activity. I think that's, being in Arizona, I really feel chain is probably the biggest driver. So and we are so, seeing us a lot more now. Yeah. We are so far northwest. We're on a deserted you know island. I mean? So yeah. a lot of people, like we talked about, a lot of people don't realize, you know, there's as many breweries up here as there actually are. But, I mean, we got a lot of. Blue Van moves in grocery stores in Phoenix like crazy. I mean, 50, oh, yeah. 60% of our total distribution yeah, that's is in the valley. So, so it sounds like you guys have great distribution with throughout the state and throughout southern Nevada. I guess my, my point or my question basically was alluding to the fact that I don't hear a lot about College Street yeah. in the valley. And you, you know what? A part of it is like... Uh, in, in the Valley, you got a lot of those breweries that are doing the one-offs, like we were talking about, and doing, doing a lot of one-offs and getting a lot of press and, and a lot of that build-up. And since we're not located down there, we don't do a lot of one-offs like that. So if you're going to hear about us, you're going to hear about us through festivals where you're yeah. going to make JT or in grocery stores and things like that. You know, we're not in the, in the Valley. You can't walk in and get your hands on us. You right. know what I mean? So you got to come up to yeah, house. I, you got to make would, the trip, see the lake, I would say, check out the bridge. I'd say our draft, it's getting better, but it, it has been suffering, um, our draft you know, the bars and restaurants and stuff, but we're coming up. Like I said, I'm spending more time out there, but, uh, yeah, like I said, I think the biggest drive and get you, get you out there is beer festivals and chains. I mean, that's huge. I mean, of course I want all the draft I can get, but uh, it takes a lot of employees. I'm just one guy, two States got Kevin. Now that's helped us out a lot. One guy with no life outside of this beer. Oh, I, I, I sleep in a Jeep. Yeah. Preaching to the choir, man. I, hear it. I, I think we're, we're so far Northwest that some people don't even think of oh, us yeah. as Arizona. I think we're right California. Right on the border. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
Havasu's got its own little, you know, regional Mojave Valley brewery scene going on. You know, there's three breweries here locally. We've almost got our own brewery scene going on, just like the separation seems between the Tucson markets, the Phoenix markets, you know. Since we're not central, you know, and JT doesn't go to all the guild meetings right out of the gate, you know, it's difficult to get as noticed. But I still think, you know, Blue Van's got a pretty reputation around everywhere. Everybody at least knows about it. Absolutely. And, you know, it's... I agree. I don't think too many people are aware of the breweries that are up in this area. You know, yesterday we were in Kingman and there were, we visited two breweries there. We're in Havasu. We have three breweries, as you mentioned. I, I really, really want everybody to understand the goodness, the good beers that are coming out of here. So that's kind of really why, you know, I wanted to, to guest host this with you guys yeah. so that people can understand. Yeah, and you guys have won numerous awards and you've won and you've been close to other awards in other festivals. Talk about that. Tell me, uh, you know, a lot of the awards and the styles that you guys are brewing. So it kind of uh, kicked off. We opened up in uh, November 2011 out here, um, and it started off with uh, Lon Weatherson. He was the head brewer over at Barley Brothers, and he won awards, numerous ones from GABF for his stouts. And uh, n- and not to take anything away, just to kind of give an idea of how large these festivals have grown and how big the craft brew's grown. Um, when he was putting stuff in, entering stouts in the Great American Beer Festival in that category, there was like five, six, maybe seven entrants in each one of these categories he's pushing. So the categories are really small, and he was just kicking awards every year. You know, he's winning something for a stout two or three at a time, silvers and golds. And then the festival's got so large now, you know, this IPA category last year was like 280-something entrants. So now they're getting so big that it's not as easy as it once was to pick up awards and do that, you know. But he was a uh, award-winning brewer, came in here, started working, um, and they opened up this place and got started. And I want to say we didn't actually start picking up awards or really get our feet underneath us until probably 2013. You know, it took us about two years um, to really get up and rolling and get our get our name out there because locally we had a lot of following. So a lot of people came out and they followed Lawn. A lot of people liked the beer. Everyone was a big fan of it. But out in Phoenix, nobody was nobody paid any attention to us because you kind of if you try to hit the market like here, try to hit run 3,000 barrels on your first year and nobody knows who you are nobody's tasted your beer like you you know 900 if you're lucky you know you can push out of the tap house and that's kind of where we were and then uh, we picked up JT and JT started dumping us into a whole bunch of festivals and every event he could find his way anything he could find to spend some money and we went out joined all the festivals we get our hands on took us into Reno um, we started winning awards for canned beer at can festivals in Reno We Blue Band started winning at American Festival um, and we picked up a bronze at uh, GABF for our age beer for the Brother Dewey's. And oh, man, that's awesome. From that minute yeah. hit, it just started kind of, you know, the awards are secondary, but the beer, it, it helped us get the beer noticed and people started drinking it. What is that? I think well, he's... We can edit that out. Okay. He's, uh, <laughs> the keg washing's going on in the right, background. I wasn't you know? sure if it was coming through the head. I was going to shut everything down so it would be all <laughs> quiet, and then I thought, nah, be realistic. Hey, we're in the brewery. We're in the brewery. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in all the festivals that I've participated in with my brewery and seeing JT there, um, there are many that have the consumers that are interested in voting for, and that's where I see a lot of awards go to you guys mm-hmm. as well. Well-deserved. I mean, Big Blue Van obviously is your flagship, and that, yeah. you know, how... How much of that contributes to your brewing? Uh, well, <laughs> Big Blue Van right now is probably running like 65 to 70% of okay. everything we produce. So 
Um, you know, our numbers last year, the mass majority of everything that we sell and we do in distributions off that single brand currently. So, does, does it bother you that people only know College Street as Big Blue Van and not the um, other styles yet? It doesn't particularly because uh, people tend to, the, the people that like Big Blue Van tend to be obsessed with it. So right. they like it a lot. And when they start seeing other stuff we've made, and they're trying you know, to, they'll, yeah. they'll give it a shot and they'll try it. And, um, you know, we try to keep a, a pretty good, you know, range between our styles. So instead of putting out a whole bunch of wheat beers and different styles, we try to, like, make them massively different when we come out with another beer. So it gives people a different thing to either like or, or dislike. At least give us feedback, you know. How many styles do you guys brew annually? I know it varies every year, but... Yeah, I mean... Four uh, core, and then yeah. uh, we have some... Well, we got, ticket we got four core coming up on five that are in distribution, anyway. Um, at, in our house beers, we got nine house beers okay. on a regular rotation. And then we'll probably do... You know, I do upwards of 16 styles a year. We'll do 16 different beers. And then, uh, you know, we started getting into sour beers and things like that um, a couple years ago. I got really into it on a tour to GABF. We went to New Belgium, took a little tour, and they had a dry hopped uh, sour there that I just got obsessed with. Yeah, and nice. yeah we, we came, came back, back and he, literally I watched him uh, take a... Was a five liter Arrowhead bottle uh, put under your desk? It with, wasn't with, there. Uh, it wasn't there. No, it was one of those uh, like it was like a four gallon or five gallon cardboard. Yeah, started making. And we it, just started it wrapped it in, the, in a thermal blanket, and we just awesome. started souring beer underneath the countertop. To oh see man, what we could do, yeah. you know, thirty barrels in a thirty barrel brew house, like experimenting with a sour beer. That's nine hundred thirty gallons of beer. If it's terrible, man, you just right so, down the drain. So is that what contributed to Beauregard? Yeah, oh, so that's okay. basically yeah. the, what happened in the birth of Orb. Yeah, we, we came back and he was on fire. He was like, "I gotta try this. I gotta do this." It started out as a uh, a Belgian wit beer that we only brewed in the summertime. Okay. You know, super light wit style. And then I just took that base and I, I was like, "Let's kettle sour it." So I started learning, doing all kinds of research, learning to start kettle souring it, and then just kettle soured it. It took like it took twelve hours in the tank. You know, a lot of them taking seventy two to sour something that slow. We introduced some straight lacto to it that we grew into five gallons and. 12 hours, it was like 3.2, so tart, punched you in the face, yep. you know? And, and that's what I like. Yeah. I like sours. That's like how that. I liked it, too. And I was getting, we, we got it all finished, um, got it all transferred, and just used it as a base, and we started playing with different flute flavors and messing around in the base of it. And then it just got to the point where uh, everybody kept asking me. <laughs> Sorry, all the banging. It's okay. <laughs> everybody kept asking me, like, is it, are you going to thin it out and make it a little bit less tart? And mine was, you know, my theory is, nope, I want it to punch in the face every time. Right. If you want it to be less tart, drink a whole pint of it and then have a second it won't be as tart the second time and so you have brewed some more sours since then and are they as tart as well yeah so I, I rotate pretty much i rotate in the same range um for how how sour it is right now the main sour we work off is our is that wit base beer that we'll do a couple of different things with it um i got some plans i want to start doing a uh an amber sour oh and uh so i'm going to take like our amber and then we'll kettle sour it, but only slightly. You know, I want to give it a little bit of tartness, and we'll throw it in some barrels. We'll throw a bunch of plum or something in it, and we'll see what we can pull it out of it. And Interesting. Is yeah. it, have you tried anything similar to that? Yes. Not, not personal. I mean. At other breweries. So we went to, the, like, uh, probably the next big obsession hit, we went to Sourfest at Atomic Liquor in Las Vegas uh, once we started pulling in Las Vegas. And uh, the craft house out there, he was making some sour beers also, some sour wits like that when we were out there. And um, then I tasted Green Monster. I think it's from Odell's, the Green Monster. But it's, like, nine years old in barrels and in a bottle and you open the thing and it was like literally like i thought the first hour i had punched me in the face this one felt like it destroyed my face remember that like bitter beer face that old commercial yeah sucked the whole thing in and that one was intense not only was it intense it was so complex it was confusing to the brain to try to pick out flavors or, or try to think of what was actually in it but it made it so interesting and entertaining to drink you know you know i find amazing is that 
almost every single craft brewery, independent craft brewery, is looking for something different to brew. Some new style or new ingredients or anything that, that can, they can claim as their own and say, hey, I kind of started it or this is, you know, hey, have you tried that? That's good. I wasn't even aware until today that you guys were planning on doing barrel aging. So you already have had that in the plans for a while. What is it that you're, you're barrel? So we've actually been barrel aging for going on three years. Yeah. Um, we started with a Devil's Barrels, a st- an Imperial Stout we make. Um, so we started with that Imperial Stout, um, aging it in bourbon barrels out of uh, Stranahan's, Stranahan's Barrels out of Colorado, my, where I originally come from, the lovely, beautiful Colorado. <laughs> but we started getting barrels from them and started on a really small scale. We take like half the Imperial Stout batch, a 30-barrel batch. We'd take half of it, we'd throw it in barrels, and we'd see how it do on tap. And then um, once the Devil's Barrel started rolling here locally, we decided to go ahead and pop it in bottles. So we started doing bottles of that um, three years ago. Coming up on our third year right now is in the barrels sitting behind you. Nice. And yeah, these, then, these bottles are hand-numbered. Hand-bottled, hand yeah, hand-numbered. Hand-bottled, hand-numbered. Yeah. But we're getting away from bottling beer. Cans. We can't. I'm going to go in cans. I want to do, yeah. a, I want to do a, a, can, a can-conditioned barrel-aged beer. Really? So, yeah, yeah, we're going to do like four-pack, 16 ounces. That'd be fun. That does sound. But like this I, set of barrels right here... Um, we run like two or three beers through it. So like we started last year or last year's devil's barrel sat in the barrel for about five months, six months. And then we pulled that out. We put the following the year's brother Dewey's in, in it right afterwards. So we pulled that out and it gave the brother Dewey's like a, a slight little wood, a little bit of bourbon and really kind of calmed down the dates. Cause we brew that one with a lot of dates. It's got a lot of sugar in it, you know? And those specialties that you do brew in any of the barrels are, are they out for distribution? Yeah. Or, so okay. we currently release only. Yeah, so seasonally in the wintertime, um, usually right around September, October time, we start releasing Dewey's and Devil's Barrel. Um, the brother Dewey's actually started. There's a guy that's been coming here since we opened. He's actually a good friend of John's, the guy that owns the place. And um, his name's Dewey. And so we kind of put the whole brother Dewey thing around him. He's got a big beard, looks like Santa Claus. He's a great guy, really entertaining. But he comes into town from Washington, like a lot of the tourists that come through Havasu, um, in the in the wintertime. He'll come down here. So... When he gets down here, he gets down here sometime in September, mid to late September, October. We tap the beer, and as soon as he leaves town, it's gone, and it's and it's off. So it runs from September to, I think this year he left in uh, March, something like that. So we'll run it from September to March, and as soon as he leaves, it's off tap. The bottles are gone, and we save everything else and That's rotate awesome. it back through. Yeah, so right on. It's right only on. available while he's around. Otherwise, it's gone. <laughs> and the older so it gets, it's year-round. Yeah. Older it gets, the better it gets. Yeah. Too. yeah. Which we have noticed. Yeah, the, that's a cool story. Yeah. The entertaining part about yeah. that beer in general is um, it was never aged before. It was just a regular. It sat, did its 14 days. You know, it was never an old ale. We sold like uh, 40 cases of bottles into distribution, and they got for, basically forgotten about for the most part. So they ended up bottle conditioning for a year in 15-degree warehouse. And they called us and said, hey, we got all this beer sitting here. It's, it's a year old. It's got to be expired by now. What do you want to do with it? Me and Colby at the time, we said, send it back to us. Go ahead and give it to us. And we'll figure out what to do with it. It showed up. We tasted it. And it was phenomenal. Yeah, so it, it, was, it was 10 times better yeah. being aged and then being bottle conditioned. So we got it back. And it, was, it just happened to be right around GABF that it went. So we were sitting here with me and Colby and Lon tasting it. And Lon goes, I don't know, it's old, maybe we shouldn't send it. And me and Colby were like, Fuck, man, roll the dice. Right. So we rolled the dice, we sent it to GABF, and it hit bronze like right away. Dude, so, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Just yeah. from sitting in a warehouse somewhere and being forgotten about. So now we try to forget about it every year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's yeah. great. You know, it's 
when I talked about distribution and, and trying to find your beers or trying to get notoriety for your brewery in the Valley, um, what other areas or other states aside from Arizona and Nevada does College Street distribute? Oh, actually, just Arizona and Southern Nevada. That's okay. It. Oh, so that is you mentioned Reno, so you're not in Northern Nevada? No, uh, we've been dipping our toes out there, just checking it out. He likes to go up there for the Reno Can Fest. Yeah. They're huge. Uh, they're stout fans. They're big, sweet double stout fans. We went every year up there. Yeah. We, uh, talk, we talk about it every once in a while maybe doing it. but It's a hell of a haul, man. Yeah, like another sure, seven hours. Yeah. It's hard enough to, to get to Vegas. To the choir, bro. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> Crossing the states, getting trucking companies to deliver from here to that distributor and move to another one. It's... It's a lot of overhead costs. But What's the long-term goal for College Street? Are you looking to possibly expand into a different state? Uh, we, always, we know we've got people hitting us up all the time. You know, from New York, Texas. I mean, you name yeah. it. We get Southern, hit all the time. Southern California. We get a lot so, of requests from Southern California. Yeah, I mean, the we, we got is, dreams, right? Yeah. It might happen. The luxury <laughs> is because because of, of Havasu's location and our vacation crew that comes through here. You know, in the winter time, it's everybody back east and in the Midwest and in the northern territories. They all come down here and they're all big fans, so they want to take it back with them or they want us to be on that side. But in the summertime, the Thursday through Sunday crowd, they're all from California. So everybody from, you know, Corona, yeah. San Diego, all the, all the way around, they all come out here and then they're big blue vamp drinkers at the same time. So they buy a bunch, they take it back, their friends are tasting it. So now, you know, Southern California, we get a lot of people calling and say, when are you going to spread out here to this direction? And, you know, like most breweries our size, which are, you know, working ourselves up and on the come up, the concept of going into Southern California makes my mind explode. Sure. You know, because if it, if it's popular and people really like it and drink, then that that level of distribution is you know gonna murder us. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. So, well, speaking of which, then is there plans for expansion of the brewery itself to accommodate something like that? Yeah. So we got a lot of space in our back warehouse area. Um, we're looking to add a bunch of tanks, but right now we're doing like some. Uh, we got to do a lot of infrastructure. So I mean, you can you can grow smart or you can just grow. So our goal is to try to grow smart. So you know, we got to have our the trench drains, we got to run the glycol lines, we got to get the, the floors ready, all these kind of things, so that yeah. whatever we put on top of it will be long lasting. You know what I mean? Sure. Because the main brewery itself in here is, is really nice, but there are a few things that um, Havasu wasn't familiar with when you're putting in breweries, you know, and, and, and just kind of slip through the cracks. Some of the floors you put in additional stuff, things we've had to go back and repair in the past and then re put tanks down and lay it down. It just kind of eats up time and effort. So now we're just trying to get ahead of it. Make the smart decisions in the beginning, so yeah, we're we all ready to go. It's yeah, we made we know, made some launch. big decisions. Though. We we hired uh, Kevin up in uh, the, the yeah. northern area. He's taking care of all that. He's one of the best of the best. You know, we're awesome. lucky enough to he's wearing our jersey out there and kicking ass for us. That's you know? one of the joys of yeah, so. my side of the business because you you brew beer, and as people have told me in the past, it, that brewers are usually the artistic folk. They're difficult to talk to, right? Yeah. I've so, heard that. Yeah, I've heard that rumor. Um, <laughs> one of the luxuries, I guess, is that you start to grow and you start realizing once when you're brewing beer, um, you think that's the be-all, end-all. You're sitting at the bar, you're talking to the patrons, they're telling you how much they like your beer, and you're thinking, well, I've arrived, this is it. But the the scale, once you start moving into production and all this and moving out, becomes so large that that's, you know, that's a, it's, I mean, it's important, the brewing side, but it's also a minor characteristic of the entire business model that you're doing. Because to move into that kind of expansion, you know, the, the production management, the logistics, the, the maintenance, the growth, all those kind of things, brewing the beer is, you know, the quality is important, but there's so many different cogs in that wheel that are moving, right. you know. So you mentioned earlier that it, uh, College Street started in 2011, mm-hmm. right? So seven years old, right? Uh, what's, how many employees do you guys currently occur? Um, currently, we're a little bit over 60, so we're one of the larger employers employers in Lake Havasu City. Um, the brewery side, what are we, six, right? Yeah, the brewery side right now runs on six, so we have wow. our pub um, is pretty large and popular, and so um, 
we got the large employee base that we have is actually in the restaurant side. Um, but the the brew house itself, we run on six people, seven seven people, I think now, because we got um, I got five in the brewery itself, and then our two sales reps are out in the market. Yeah. So then, if you really think about it, given the amount of people that you actually have and the amount of distribution that you do, it, it, that in itself is a challenge. So anything outside of that is going to take some time, obviously. Yeah. Wow. And you know, like the information I have on the sales side, anyway, it's basically if you have a salesman out there. The goal is that salesman generates enough revenue that he covers his own costs of yep. having the salesman, right? So, you know, right now, JT wants more. He wants more people, basically, and which works out well. But, if, I mean, the more people generates more revenue, calls for more beer. You know, it's like uh, the, the hurdle we have to get over is we now got to get ourselves a bunch of salespeople. Right. And you get a bunch of salesmen and start spreading them out all over the place, then people are going to be demanding beer. More feet on the ground. Yeah. Let me pause and tell him to stop doing that. <laughs> That's been bothering me a lot. The keg's dropping. Is it counting? All right. Yeah. All right. It's counting. Took a little break there to uh, handle some business here at the brewery. That's right. Pee um, break. What I did mention right before we went to break is how long College Street was around. And um, Jason, have you been with uh, College Street since the inception? No. So um, I started here in 2013. So like a year and a half after they opened up, I started working here. Um, I was initially working under Colby okay. when he was back here before he wandered back into the valley where his whole family's from. And, and got it. Kobe's now at BRI. Kobe's yeah. now at BRI. Yeah. Four he Peaks at, first. Yeah. Well, Four oh, Peaks. Okay. Yeah. He went to. He got back to his family before Four Peaks um, sold to AB and Bev. Yeah. He took a job at Four Peaks for a while, but I'm sure. He, I mean, they've done the BRI podcast. They've got Kobe's history for it. But he went back there for his family. Had a nice cush job as a production brewer, and then decided that they didn't let him do anything creative or have any kind of fun. And Top Beard AZ, as he likes to call himself, Mister Colby Handsome, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't be Colby Handsome, so he went to the BRI and. Now, now he's, he's, now he's handsome. Yeah, now he's so, loving it. Have you always been involved in brewing? Were you a home brewer and for coming up in Colorado? No, actually. So I've I've never um, I've never done any home brewing before. Uh, when I initially graduated college out of Colorado, um, I moved out here to Havasu, and it was back in the era of MTV and Spring Break was huge. You know, it was partying and drinking and all that kind of stuff. And I had a friend whose parents had owned a house out here, and he said, "Come out and check it out." And we came out in September. Um, did the tail end of September, so it was still warm, but it had been colder back in Colorado, and we decided we're going to move out here. So it, by January, we lived out here. And then uh, I spent six years basically tending bar, hanging out on boats, partying, drinking, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then um, I, in between when I was tending bar and doing other things, I ended up getting a job at Barley Brothers, kind of assisted brewing, washing kegs, and, you know, heaving stuff around. But I was still young and dumb at the time, so I didn't really appreciate the career path I was getting started on. Right. And uh, so I worked there for about two years. Um, and then it needed to kind of get it together, so I joined the Navy, and I took off from the Navy for, you know, I did uh, eight years. Took off for eight years. Anchors away. Yeah, and then um, came back, uh, spent some time in San Diego and some time in Hawaii and additional things, and then always kind of figured when I was going to get out, I needed to figure out what I was going to do with myself. And um, my wife's from here in Havasu, and uh, she's in public education. She was a teacher at the time. Now she's a principal, but she really wanted to come back to um, her city and you know help the community and, and get involved in it so she wanted to come back here so it's time to get out we came back here and just lo and behold the guy i was working for at barley brothers had started up college street and he offered me a job you know making 12 bucks an hour doing basically the same thing but you know some of those things right place right time yeah. kind of worked out and over the Rest course of that, history yeah over the course Absolutely. of that five years it went from 
washing kegs to calling shots. You know? What about you, man? Uh, was it a hard transition going from a male stripper into the craft beer world? Uh, not all. It's a same failed thing. male stripper. Yeah. Nevertheless. Sing and dance still. Or, you know? <laughs> I have a couple of dollars. Supper, so, right? you know. save, uh, save your dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll t- give him a beer. He'll take it off anyway. Uh, exactly. Uh, see, I came in probably about a, a, almost about a year after you, right? Yeah. I want to say. And I came from the distributor side. Um, I remember when this place opened up and we came in, we checked it out and then uh, a few months went by then they decided they wanted to go- get into town out-, out of the pub only and they went with us so I was actually selling College Street through the distributor, yeah, but Knackered Beverage I worked for them for a few years Are they still yeah. around? They are now, they actually just uh, merged with uh, Northland, which is Legacy now okay. and um Jason and I, uh, I mean, I could tell you stories. Him and I back here cleaning kegs together, bottling. Remember just bottling on the, what was that yeah. system called? He said <laughs> a, a six-head six Maheen bottle filler. Yeah, we, we, two stickers on it and a bottle cap. We actually didn't get Blue Van into production and start distributing it until um, a year after I was here. Um, we started really hitting bottles with it. And yeah. um, <laughs> we used to bottle it in six-packs and bottles and cases. The pallets were 60 cases high in bottles and that Maheen bottle filler was like you know every other run it would it was blowing up a bottle or two or something like that so I mean you'd do we'd spend all day long you know trying to bottle you know 10 barrels of that beer and get orders out We and we'd have to we used to have our own labeler here so we would self label the bottles then we'd label we'd spend a week before labeling the bottles because the labeler never really worked the way it was supposed to like most you know stuff it was always finagled some way so we'd spend a week labeling bottles and then we'd spend a week filling the bottles so it took us two weeks to fill I'd go out in the market. Seven pallets, sixty high. It was wow. like, it was I mean, literally. I'd go out in the market, sell sell the product into the market, and then come bottle it with Jason, pack it up, and yeah. box how, it up. And and how many employees were involved at that time? Uh, that time there were two of us in the brewery and yeah. JT. Yeah, yeah, so it was just me and Colby. And we that's back when we weren't moving very much beer, so we were brewing maybe once a week, twice a week. Yeah. Um, well, that's the time they were, barrels they were, of it. They were making instruments. And, yeah, we were, uh, that's when we, were, we spent well, a lot of our a lot free of videos, time making instruments, doing videos. Then I came along and ruined doing what we called <laughs> quote unquote marketing. And well, see, that's what we love because we love the the stories. We love the stories of each individual brewery of craft brewery. I mean, that's what beer is. It's yeah. Stories, it's community, and so this is a great story as to how it gets yeah, started. Yeah, you know, I I even I hate to say that I I'm in sales because I really I mean literally I just go around and just tell stories. I, I mean, I, little as Jason know, every time I hang out with him, I'm just I'm soaking stuff up stories to tell at these presentations you know say, he hates to say he's in sales and then he says that which is a sales pitch <laughs> it's a but, good one but <laughs> but i was in, i was in sales for a long time and yeah. i i what i learned is you know i've been to a couple breweries I was, I was watching some of these guys i don't want to name any breweries but they were they weren't selling anymore these guys were they're just not telling stories they were putting a face to the product they were talking about the people they're working with and so I want to do that. I think that's a that's a goal of a lot of the breweries now, and, and it's a movement in craft that I like, where they, you know, especially social media and other things, they no longer really sell a product. They kind of they push their why. Yeah, I like yeah. to say. So when you're you know you're doing a lot of Instagram posts, they're doing a lot of social media. They're not out there just blasting you with coming by this at this place. That's right. what you want to do. They're 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 showing, you know, they're giving fans and customers a perspective of what they how they live their day to day life, like what they're going to do, and it makes people. It makes people become your friends and your fans, yeah. and not just customers of yours. You yeah, know? We, so we, they, we, they're, we, they're loyal because they like us, right? Not because our product's awesome. And we yeah. hit those beer festivals. Those are the trenches, right? That's that's yeah. where we get our, our, our more customers, you know. And, yeah. and that's uh, I'm out there. Every single person that comes up to my jockey box, I 
telling them about not just the beer. I'm talking about the brewery. I'm talking about Jason. I'm talking about Thomas. I'm talking about Kevin. And you that's, know, it's, that's where the joy, I mean, the beer festivals are where the joy of that, the popularity of Blue Van being like this main brand. Yeah, you know, some people look at it and go, in, yeah. you know, these guys are doing one brand in massive amounts. You know, can they get other brands? Can other brands be as popular? And, it, you know, the Blue Van brings them in to yeah. taste everything and, else. And, and we pour at these events. We don't get volunteers. If one of us can't make it, we're not, the beer's not going to be there. Mm. We do not use volunteers. Now, they have nothing against volunteers, but we just want to make sure that these people know JT's us. No one, no one can beer. speak to your brand like you can. Exactly. JT's super right. inattentive. He doesn't like people touching his stuff. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. touch my things. Don't touch my things. When it comes I set to, up, when I tear it, down. I feel the same when it comes to festivals, yeah. man. I don't really like volunteers either yeah. because they, do, they can't do justice to your, to your brand. They could hurt it. Yeah. You know, yeah. We do festivals for two reasons, right? We do them for brand awareness and uptick in sales, and yeah, we hope exactly. that we get both. And so... Um, yeah, those are huge. Uh, when I first started, we weren't sure about doing festivals. We were doing this a couple here and there, and started realizing, you know, you do a festival, you just see a, a you know, there's a pop in sales in that area. Let's go, yeah. hey, let's do that again. Do it over here, and ended up I'm doing festivals every other weekend. It seems like, but I love it. I, I hate it and I love it at the same time. Gotcha. You know, it, it's uh, it's a lot of work. On Fridays it's awesome. Mondays it sucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then you got to, you know, you're going out before and you're going out after and. Sunday, you're crawling back home, you know? Yeah, man. Well, see, that's the most entertaining side of your guys' job. You get to go out and do all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it sounds awesome until you do well, it all the time, too. right? Yeah, I, c- I could. You know, if I could find someone else to do the job that yeah, we're doing. Yeah, Jason hardly <laughs> gets out. So, I don't yeah. get out of here. Are you, brewing, are you in the brewery on Saturdays? Yes. I'm in the brewery. I was going to say, go to the festival. I'm in the brewery yeah. here like every every <laughs> single day, you know, morning, noon, night. Jason and I both have a problem. I can call him at 4 o'clock in the morning, he answers. He does the same thing to me. Yeah, We live it, we eat it. Sometimes he'll call me if I'm at home and my wife's trying to get me to disconnect and stop you know right. just thinking about it but as soon as i get close to it like i'm like okay we'll watch a movie i get yeah, all cuddled jt away. starts sending me yeah. text messages and my phone starts binging and it's like God, dude never never sleeps man yeah i got issues or he does sleep he's just <laughs> they're thinking about beer the whole time i'll tell you something for as long as i've known college street and as long as i've met you two it, in my opinion you guys are the face of college street you know you have, you, you have an owner that, yeah. yeah you have an owner you have you know people working in the restaurant you have other people here in the brewery I don't know any of them. I only know you two. And so everything that I know about College Street, I've learned from you two. And so uh, I appreciate all of that. And so I want to make sure that others, you know, know who you're about as well. Well, now I'm going to start correcting that, though, because we got a we got a hell of a team behind us. Yeah, you know, definitely. That, that work equally as hard, if not more, more right. than most of us, you know, in the, in the brewery staff and on the kitchen side. We're going to have to start introducing you to everybody. So we'll just have to start bringing everybody to festivals with us, yeah. minus all, a few. All sixty that, of them. Minus a few that are little. <laughs> they're little. You know, they they enjoy festivals a little too much. We'll yeah. just put it that way. Yeah. Which yeah. is and great. Our festivals, and I see people walking around with with College Street hats and College Street shirts, whether yeah. they sell them or work for the brewery. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's you true. Know. Yeah, good, we good, we good promo. We are, we're always out. We don't we're not really out looking for customers. That shit. We're looking. We're looking. For, they're our fans. You know, we we we're out there hanging out and we're sweating with them. We're drinking beers with them. You know, it's hundred and some degrees out of festival. If they're going to show up, we're going to be there. You know, yeah. we're, we have a good time. We always have a good time every time we go out. Well, speaking of drinking beers and speaking of having a good time, there's a couple beers over here that you want to share with us, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, right, you man. brought out some special ones for you. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, right? Yeah, sitting right by a barrel. Allegedly, I think so, yeah. You get to hit the buttons. Orlando gets to push the buttons. I push the button. All right, we have some beer is in front it, of us. Is it counting? Is it counting? You got to make sure it's counting. Don't forget. County. Did I pour? Two One, there's only four of us. Two, I poured five samples. Three. Tell me what we have in front. Somebody's getting two. So this is our uh, new one this year. We've done a couple of experiments. We've kept it in-house for a little while. But um, it's a uh, Razzing Arizona. So it's a raspberry 
um, Berliner style sour, basically. Okay. So 425 pounds of raspberry puree went into 12 barrels of this beer. And just, it's nice, it's tart, it's super red. When you pour it quick enough, it's got a nice pink head to it. It kind of dissipates a little faster than I wanted it to this time, but it's pretty. I'm gonna I'm gonna fine tune it for next year's release. But it, we had it in 16 ounce cans this year, um, sold out super quick out of the front. And then brewery release only or um, no, no? We started we selling it in. Uh, it runs through Canyon in northern Arizona. Probably uh, moved the most of it. We've got Phoenix also, yeah, Crescent Crown, Phoenix, and really Bonanza. Fast. Bonanza wow. also. Yeah, Sorry Nevada. I sipped. I couldn't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's tart. It is, but that's right. good. And, and that's a lot way, of the raspberry. That's the way I like it. Yeah, it's got a lot of yeah. raspberry fruit. I'm kind of like, uh, I got a lot of my research done and discussions I've had with, with uh, breweries like Cascade Bottle Shop and stuff in Oregon. You know, they say, if you're going to put fruit in a beer, put fruit in a beer. You yeah. know what I mean? But don't, subtlety is not necessarily what you're looking for. Just pounding in the face. And plus, a beer that's tart like that, you know, that tartness tends to overshadow everything else. But we just get really lucky with... Uh, this particular beer and that particular sour base, um, our yeast, you know, attenuates really well, so it makes a nice dry beer. So yeah. instead of having a sweet sour that's super tart, it's a nice dry sour. And it lets so, the flavor pop yeah, too. Some tartness yeah. and lets the flavor pop, yeah. and then that kind of maltiness and the weediness of the beer sticks on your tongue. What styles, JT, do you normally like drinking? I know craft beer we're across the board, so. Uh, you know what I, 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 of course I enjoy IPAs. Uh, you know, being summer, I'm drinking a lot, a lot of uh, lagers right now. So yeah, I change through the, the seasons just like everybody. Else. See, I'm a, I'm a dork. I don't drink a lot of IPA. You know, yeah. as, as far as gravity, I don't drink. I, I'll drink some on occasion, but I, I, you know, I like light lagers. I like yeah. light beer that I can sit and drink a lot. But at the same time, you know, I live in Havasu. It's sure. hotter than hell out here. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> the top of the sun. You're not. You know, I like stouts, but I'm only drinking it one day a year, and it's literally, you know. I drank the most of it two years ago when it snowed here, yeah. <laughs> and that was on January first. You know, I've been really enjoying the hazy IPAs. See about yourself. I've been, yeah, I've been really, uh, I'm I, digging them. I, I like them too. Do you feel that that haze craze is kind of fading now? It's kind of going. That's hard to say. I mean, people say that about every. I think it's beer. getting its feet underneath it. Yeah, I think what what we're seeing is that I don't think it's dying. I think it's slowing down because I think people are getting into different types of of, of other IPAs, some juices and yeah, some yeah. milkshakes that are going on. And I think what's happened is that the smaller breweries, they don't necessarily have that bigger forecast that they could plan for and make sure that it could do it in, in a timely manner. They could do it right away. Right. You know, and so we see it happening. And so because of that, it's, it's, it's getting out there quicker, quicker, quicker. Yeah. Whereas the bigger breweries, they have Can't to forecast that, it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so by the time it finally rolls out, it's almost a, you know that's the tail like, end of the trend and yeah and then you're now you're following yeah you know what yeah. You yeah, yeah but sometimes, sometimes it's a better one coming out though you know what I mean that's yeah. what keeps the feet under it keeps but it I mean rolling. you got like the sours are a prime example you know what I mean we spent a year and a half working our way up to it yeah and we yeah. released in a can we got lucky we hit first sour can in Arizona first Arizona brewery I think yeah. we made a sour in a can yep that's um, awesome but that was one of our main goals to hit and like run with right. and then but it still took us a year and a half to put the whole thing together get the cans made get everything yep. running done and you know and if we could do it, like I'm saying, on the 32 can, 32 ounce can release, you know, do crawlers of it, and do specialty beers in house, it would hit the market a hell of a lot faster. But so, in regards to the recipes that you guys are coming up from here, is that all you, or does JT or anyone else have any influence in those? Um, well, he's definitely putting it together. Yeah. Yes. See, so um, I kind of just give Jason feed. You know what's going on in the market. You yeah, know what's what's happening. I, yeah. I bring I bring him a lot of beers. Or hey, try this, try that. Have you heard about this? You know. 
four o'clock in the morning. I'm texting him. He does constantly, constantly bring stuff, and he also four o'clock constantly... in the morning. You don't wake up till eleven. Come on, yeah. Yeah, I'm all over the place. You never know, man. That's what's scary about me. Yeah, and then so I mean, uh, I do a lot of recipe formulation, but uh, Thomas is uh, a brewer here. Also, he's getting really into it and starting to get his feet wet and playing with it. Um, and when we sit down, and we have a recipe. We really sit down as kind of a group and and roll through these ideas because I mean I have just as many shitty ideas as I have good ideas, like right. everybody else. You know, it's, you gotta you gotta dig out one or two that are that are good and that are gonna work. You know, yeah. the Mariner, the Double IPA is probably my first um, big run at a heavy hitter IPA that I had, but it, it took you know collaboration between. I mean, at the time, I was still spending a lot of time talking to Colby, too, because Colby's, I like to call him kind of my brew daddy, because he was my mentor when I started here. So I spent a lot of time talking to Colby and, you know, formulating recipes and getting stuff put together and then started blowing it out. That's a good beer, too. I mean, the Mariner. That's also won some awards at some festivals that I think I've been at. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I'm eating, I'm drinking this fifth sample, guys. (laughs) Getting rid of the shit. We were all up late. Last night, getting rid of the, the sour beers. The sour beer is a morning beer. This is a breakfast <laughs> beer, in my opinion. You know, I mean, they make breakfast stouts, which are great, but they're a little too hearty. This, this is, is good. A, yeah. What's next? So that was good, guys. That was a really good sour, and I've heard positive things about it as well. So that was the first chance I've had to try it. Yeah, it's our, our raspberry nerd. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Yes, right? that's yeah. what it tasted like. Yeah. Brought me back to my kid days. Too. I, like, I like making things that people like drinking. Yeah, yeah. that's a good thing. Makes me feel better about myself. It makes my job easier too. <laughs> better about you success. Pat on your back, buddy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so what do we have here? So now we're going to go light. I'm going all the way to street light. So the street lights are basic American light lager that we make here. Um, it's just basically crisp. Like I said, I drink a lot of stuff. I drink a lot of light beers and a lot of pilsners when I go into a place. Just because you know, I don't. I don't know whether or not I've I've have enough friends that have developed gluten allergies, or I've heard enough of it, or spent enough time on WebMD. I'll mess anybody up, but I just feel like I'm convincing myself I have a gluten allergy. So the more <laughs> beer I drink and the heavier they get, I just start bloating like crazy, and you know. So I tend to gravitate towards the lighter filtered stuff. Nice. Just to give myself a base that I can actually start drinking off of. Yeah. And so we went this way. It's just kind of our lightest one. We're looking to hit this one in the market and put it in cans because yep. we think out here in Havasu we get it in a can and get it start getting it in the boats. Oh, yeah. And get it down price. Yeah, we start uh, getting the local beer out there. Yeah. We've uh, tested the market in certain areas. Um, let's see, in Phoenix, we're at the Sheraton, and uh, that test went really well. It's nice. still there. They, they, nice. They, yeah. Kegs. Uh, kegs only, yeah. And then uh, northern Arizona, we've nailed it out there. That was another test market, and it took off. So we decided to pull the trigger, and we're pretty much done with the graphics, right? We're yeah, pretty much ready to go. You know, everything takes forever to get something finished. Yeah, yeah I'm surprised right. that there aren't any. Uh, well, maybe there is a lot of local cans that are out on the on the island. Um, there's not a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no? I mean, it's still, it's still very much you know Bud Light, Coors Light, Michelob Ultra's huge on the lake out here. So I mean, everybody loves that super slim little can. Yeah. It makes them feel better in shape. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is there a lot of PBR out there? Uh no, but I sure miss it though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is too bad. I like PBR. Yeah. You know, you know, quarter quarter PBR is at the R bar on the other end of town. That's how I bought my first house was PBR because of PBR. <laughs> yeah. This is good. Very light, Thanks. very crisp. What's the ABV? So the ABV on ABV on this is four point two. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's nice low booze. Drink oh, a lot of it. Yeah. 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 And a lot of people here you know, they'll come in, and most people start with a couple of those. You know, all our regulars, just they'll, they'll drink one or two of those, and then they'll work their way up into Mariners, you know, at 8.1%. Yeah, and where, where we're at, you know, another thing, too, is he had to do that. He had to make a lager because in this area, people come in, and they order a Coors Light. You know, they sit down and order a Coors Light in the brewery, and 
So that was our answer to it. You know, that's a, that's a stepping stone to get them to after that. Try this. Yeah, it's kind of one of the one of the byproducts of the customer yeah. base out here is they're you know sure. in the winter time, a lot of them want those kind of beers. So you you know you're almost forced to offer them something that that's inside their range. And you know I like and respect those breweries that um, they brew what they like, what they like only, and that's that's the way they're going to do business. I to, you know I'm totally on board, and I understand that. But at the same time, out here for us, it's like, yeah. well, I like I like a light beer. You know, I grew to like it. At the when I first started, I had that same craft beer head where I was like, I make what I feel like drinking, sure. and only what I drink. So it's all going to be heavy, huge beers, which are great. But like out here in Havasu, that's not a sustainable business model because you can make super heavy, super high alcohol content beers. They're going to come in, they're going to drink one, they're never coming back. Well, and I think that's also part of the trend that how the craft beer world has evolved um, and not necessarily for the better because those that used to drink craft beer or anything that we've drank so far today or drunk so far today yeah. um, now are, have moved on to the hoppier stuff. They, mm-hmm. want, they want the specialties, the barrel ages, they're the hop heads. Yeah. So beers like Orange Wheat, by Hangar 24, Big Blue Van, they're no longer considered craft beer to those individuals, yeah. you know, and that's unfortunate because that's kind of what started this whole thing, you know. Well, I think the entertaining part about that is, it, at least what it's taught me, is that <laughs> what I used to think was the central core of craft beer and, you know, um, the most important thing and, and, and carried the vibe of the entire craft is really a very small segment of people that drink beer. So, you know, kicking into distribution and start moving larger beers. Yes, you know you're moving large. Um, you know the, some of the craft markets moving towards. They want that specialty. They want that specific thing. That small stuff. That single release that makes them feel equally special now. Because so many people and so many customers are moving in towards craft beer, and it's still growing. That now we're getting to the point where we're starting to pick up customers that, you know, they're on that tail end where they're just starting to experiment with wheat beers. You know, they're going from domestic beer to wheat beer. So, you know, we get sometimes we'll hear stories and you catch the crap for making a beer like blue van i'm sure you guys deal with it with with orange wheat that people look at it and they say like yeah you're right you're not craft but my response to them is look i was like you know you keep going the business model you're going to go you want to expand to get a bigger customer base people are going to look at you the same way you're judging them so you know i try at least on the craft end for us not to be you know judgy and finger pointy and, and things like that and i know most people don't they try not to do that in right. the first place but sometimes it's difficult you know you start yeah. believing all the hype on the small craft end then you know you start thinking you're a maverick and you decided you do things different than anybody else on the planet and you know we're all in it together everybody here is trying to make a product that somebody local can drink we want to make it here and i want to make beer that the locals are going to like to drink because i like this i like the community right and if the locals say hey will you make us a light lager you know that we can drink and enjoy instead of drinking Bud Light or something like that. My answer to them is absolutely, absolutely. You, know? yeah, you got people out there who want to support local, but they want to drink light beer. You know, yeah. so it's it's cool to sit down and you know drink a real American lager. Yeah, I mean, you know? the, like the purpose of the brewery is to to help build community and start conversation and get people talking and you know get people absolutely. around each other and do all that. And you can't do that if you yeah. if you freeze out an entire yeah. customer base. Yeah, even someone who drinks IPAs all the time, you can't drink. You know, I mean, there's times where you're like, I gotta have a light beer. Sure. You know, it's still cool to be able to do yeah. that. You know? so, mythical gluten allergy in your brain you're like oh, i'm bloating yeah yeah that's I can true. float away it's true i feel that yeah well this is very good too well, man thank you. it's awesome with a lime is it yeah yeah we should have brought some that's how we started it initially when we put it out because colby was still here when we were doing this one and yeah what did, what did he name it he had an awesome name that was our big sample well it was still streetlight but we just told everybody like if you come in for a coors light so we've got streetlight 
and it tastes just like Coors Light. You know, for most people that drink Coors Light, they, you know, if it's a little bit heavier, they're going to notice it. That it's like tastes different. But they I like to play on the name too, Street yeah. Light, like yeah. College right. Street, right? Yeah. And speaking well, of light lagers, you got a great beer. Yeah, that that lager that you're yeah. doing is great. Sure. Thanks, man. I had a good time drinking that last night. Thanks. We actually yeah, named the Street Light. Um, the London Bridge out here that they got moved out here in the 70s, and I think it got rededicated in 1971. I think when they put it in, and but um, all along this, the bridge, the street lamps that are out there, they're made from uh, Napoleon Bonaparte's defeated oh. army. They melted down the cannons. They turned them into street lights. So that's Seriously? pretty much yeah. That's pretty much where the story for the name in this one ended up. I did not know that. But <laughs> we basically tell everybody, you know, if you like Coors Light, have a street light. If you like Corona, put a lime in it. <laughs> That's what we tell everybody. Very good. Put a lime in it and sit outside. <laughs> and That's then the, awesome. sun, the sun will skunk it and you'll be good to go. Yeah, there so is. this is going to be one of your cores or is your core? Yeah, it'll yeah. probably it'll be the fifth one. Yeah. Very soon. I wanted it to be the amber, but <sighs> JT says it's better to go this direction. Yeah, right now. Like, and again, you know, light yeah. lagers, yeah. at least in the things that I'm seeing and I'm hearing about, it's, it's starting to hit a pickup. You know, breweries are starting to make lighter beers like that that can start competing on that domestic market. Right. Where in the past, people just avoided it. So they already do that, and let's not mess with it at all. What about the intent on brewing something light but keeping it in-house, not packaging it, not doing anything, just keeping it in-house? Does that make any sense? To, yeah. I mean, if, if your business models that kind of thing and, and you know, um, making your tap house your driver, which works for a lot of people that aren't in huge production. But if you're, if you're making a beer that's wildly popular, why not share it with as many sure. people as humanly possible? You and, know what and I mean? And this area alone, given the lake here and everybody that comes in and, and, you know, and crushes beers on the lake, I yeah. mean, you, you'd want to can it anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, as much as, like, as much as we love the Havasu community, they're actually the smallest segment of our market. You know what oh. I mean? It's, 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 it's a, the, Where's the, the largest? The largest uh, is actually in Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, far. so probably, like... Uh, 55 to 60 percent of our total distribution right now is the Phoenix market. It's just an incredible crowd footprint. And a lot of people in Havasu don't even know that we actually sell yeah. out of Havasu. They, they, a lot of people don't. A lot of people that yeah. work here sometimes don't even know that we <laughs> that we go somewhere else. Yeah. We have some people that are new. If JT, since he lives in Phoenix now, unless he comes out here, you know, and we do a full rundown training with everybody that's in here, when he comes in, a lot of people don't know who the hell he is. And, yeah, you know, exactly. I don't think he works here anymore, does he? Ah. He's a part-time sales guy, and it's like, well, or or he's the head of the entire sales department. But that's I, cool. I've always Whatever. wanted to be a ninja, yep. so that's what I'm And doing. he's successfully doing it. Yeah. Male stripper, craft brewery, ninja. Hey, that's awesome. Stripping craft I want, brewery I want your life. That's a full card right there. <laughs> watch out, watch <laughs> Yeah, you know, every time I come up to Lake Havasu um, to our brew pub or our restaurant tasting room up here, um, I've noticed that there are a lot of new employees as well. So I'll, I'll want to make sure that I can train them yeah. for, for them to understand the, the background of our brewery, the styles of our beers, all of that, and understand, make sure that they understand that they're working for a craft brewery, yep. not a restaurant, not a bar. It's a craft brewery. So therefore, they need to have the information on, on yeah. those. Yeah. You so. guys are doing well. You guys upsold us when we walked in there last night. Huh? And she was good. Yeah. She was good. Very good. And not just because she was pretty. It's not that shallow. She just, anybody, especially out here, I mean, one of the things that's an uphill battle in, in the Havasu market, at least, is, is sometimes the employee base. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where once people graduate school out here, they get themselves an education, they're thinking about college, people tend to leave. You know what I mean? Have a sure. it, it, in the past, we're working on it rock solid now. The community's starting to come together and work on it. But in the past, it has been, you know, most people, that, that employee base, it starts to go away. And we depended mainly on retirees and stuff that came out here. But... As it starts to shift, it becomes more and more important for us to now train employees, keep a standard, and keep them quality. You know, 10 years ago, you know, the same group of people, because I was one of them, that would run through and work at all the restaurants. If you got fired from one, you went right next door, you got a job at the next one. We swapped employees on a regular basis, you know. Right. The key nowadays is to stop doing that. You know, we, we keep a standard, 
We make sure that people perform that standard. You want it continuity. It's yeah. important to have. We continuity. make more money in continuity, yeah, exactly. and they and they have more. You know, they have more input. I mean, that's one of the when we go down to Phoenix. And every time we take Stephanie, our GM, we go to Phoenix or we go to trips to Colorado and they see the way some of the brew pubs run in bigger areas where you talk to anybody that works there and anybody that's standing there can give you information on the beer. You know, what's your favorite beer? They can tell you, oh, well, this is good, but it's a little bit heavy here on this. It depends what kind of time. That kind of knowledge, it's impressive to people. Even if they don't drink craft beer, you go into a place where everybody that works there seems like they know what they're talking about and they're friendly to you. It's like, because it can be intimidating to walk into a brewery, look at a sign that's got 20 beers on it and go, what do I feel like drinking? And then like, oh shit, like you look at it for 10 minutes and you go, oh, I'm just gonna leave, I can't, I can't pick one. Exactly. And if it sucks, I'm stuck with it, what do I do, like, you know? What drives me crazy at our at our place is, it doesn't happen as often anymore, hopefully it doesn't happen at all, but people would come up and say, I, I like Blue Moon. You know, what do you have that's comparable to it? Oh, we have our own treat. Oh, well, how different is that from Blue Moon? Oh, it's better. <laughs> yeah. God, man, yeah, no. Go into the details. Yeah. I will go into the details if anyone comes up to me on a festival and give them, and they say the same thing. So, um, big differences. Yeah. And and so it, they just they need to understand that. And it all starts, you know, a lot of it's getting that sample in their hands in the beginning. You know, what right. I mean, we get a lot of people in here that are unsure about what they want to drink or they've never really kind of drifted into craft beer. So, I mean, we try to train all the servers in here that yeah. they, not only do they keep the knowledge base. But assuming you know they're old enough to drink and inside that realm, they have a beer that they already they already really like. So within two questions of talking to a customer, you can tell yep. whether or not they're going to be happy-go-lucky, and you know whether or not they're on board for craft beer or what kind of beer they might get. You know, two or three questions, you get an idea, and you go, you know what? Let me bring you something, and then we can talk about it. Yeah, because exactly. they come for the experience. Exactly. You know I mean? The food's great, the beer's awesome, but right. you're never going to know that if the experience sucks. So. Right. Well, all right. Got some more uh, barrel ages here. We do, yeah. So, <laughs> Streetlight was awesome. That was good, and good luck on that, man. If you do package it, I think it's gonna be a big hit out here. Yeah. What do we have here? So this one is not light. So <laughs> we took our. Now we're gonna taste the uh, Devil's Barrel. So this is the one we age in a barrel for five, six, eight months. Depends on um, the, how the scheduling of the brewery goes when I can get it out of the barrel. <laughs> but basically, an Imperial Stout. We age it in uh, whiskey barrels out of Colorado, and. Uh, then we bottle it and drink it. How long do you age it? So it really depends. Sometimes the first batch we did sat in there for five months. Um, the new batch this year, it's been in there eight months already. It'll probably be in there ten before I get it taken out. Um, we can pull a little bit out of the barrel so you guys can compare. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. But so basically, it's just an imperial stout. You're talking eight, 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 eight plus percent. Yeah. Um, it picks up a lot of that whiskey out of those Stranahan barrels, and because uh, it's basically baby whiskey out of Colorado. And, but it picks up a lot of whiskey and a lot of oak flavor to it, and it really calms kind of the harshness of the coffee roast that's initially in the stout. Because before we barrel age it, it's got a it's got a heavy coffee bitterness to it, um, but the barrel takes it right out, warms it up, makes it really chocolatey, and so everything you described is what yeah. I the think older it gets, more chocolate comes out of that for sure. But it's we actually got um, yeah right. We got yeah. some super awesome feedback on this we sent this and our brother Dewey's out to the World Beer Cup and um, usually you get feedback from those judges you know on a regular basis we always send Blue Van it never it, Blue Van doesn't judge well but people love it right um, well because but, of the Blue Van we get to make these right yeah that's great call. so but being able to send this one out I'm always kind of this is one of my baby's beers like that sour this is one that like from the from the moment of inception yeah that was I, another one on yeah. that trip huh? we it's, were, it's we like, were like 100% around. I put together as yeah. one of my first projects to kind of it's one of those beers that that tests whether or not you're in, you're going to be any good at this for a living, right. and that's kind of what I was worried about once I got started. And so it's been one of my babies I've been pushing 
to, to, to keep going. And um, we got really positive feedback this year from the World Beer Cup. We made it all the way to the final round. And it's yes. always good. I like reading, you know, high-quality, well-made beer. Just got beat out by better beers. So I'm okay with losing a better beer. You I know what I mean? I'm not okay with losing the flaws, but better beer I'm okay with. So we made it all the way through with this one this year towards the end of it. We just didn't meddle. And is this uh, out to distribution as well? Yeah. So this one will come out. Uh, the new batch will come out in uh, around October. Yeah, but we're looking to switch. Yeah. yeah, we used to do 22-ounce bottles of it. We're looking to switch. We're going to do some can conditioning on it. Right. So I'll barrel age it. We'll get it all carved up, ready to roll, and then we'll probably pop it into 16-ounce cans and do four packs of it like we do with the Rousing Arizona. Good stuff again, yeah. man. Thank you. Three for three. We can pull some out of the barrel. You want me to pull some out of the barrel? You give it a taste? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll get it. Hey, so far, real good beers, man. And I'm I'm glad that we're doing this because I really want you guys to, to uh, let people know how good your beers are. And we have a couple more in front of us. So it's not all about the big blue van, although that's your true flag. Yeah, that's what gets people interested. Yeah. Once they get interested, that's when we start hitting them with all the other random stuff we're doing instead. And that's where you are now. Yeah. Gets our foot in the door, right? Yeah. So that uh, that Devil's Barrel we just tasted was last year's. Been in a bottle. It's already been carved and conditioned and everything like that. Okay. This yeah. new one, I just pulled a couple samples straight out of the barrel. So oh. it's out of one of 12 barrels. So we'll blend the barrels together and get an even flavor. So every barrel's going to taste slightly different because depending on where you keep it in the brewery, barrel's going to flex and grow and be different every time. It's super special, too, because, you know, Jason hardly ever does this. He, he, he doesn't share off the barrels too much. Well, I just drilled a hole in it. Usually, a lot of people will drill oh, samples. It. I mean, I, I learned from Vinny um, at Russian River to use a stainless steel nail to be able to pull samples. But the other thing I learned from him is this, if you drill a hole in it, you'll be sampling it constantly. And then you'll always be wondering whether or not it's ready, and you're constantly testing it. If you just leave it alone, just let it sit there. Don't drill a, don't drill a hole in it until, you're, until you think you're about done with it. Well, so we're honored that that's what you guys did it for us, so. Wow. See, each one of them is slightly different. This one, it's like, uh, it smells heavy. It smells like it's got a lot of whiskey character, but the, then, like, you taste it, you can't really taste much of it. Is it a little drier on this one, too, you think? Yeah. No? It's just, like, that's what I like about barrel aging. Tastes real light body still, Yeah, mm-hmm. light body. Every, every freaking barrel is going to be totally different than the, than the next barrel. Yeah, you know exactly. I, mean? I can pull it out another one, it's going to taste totally different. And those are conversations I have when I'm sampling, you know, our Pugachev's Cobra, for example. You know, why is it different every year? Well, it's an inexact science when you're yeah. barrel aging. Every year is going to take on different characteristics. Yeah. And That's the joy of the beer. The yeah. joy of the beer is that it's different every single year. Right. So and it changes in the love, bottle, too, right? So If you find one you love, you better, you better buy a bunch of it and hold on to it. What was the ABV of the Devil's Barrel? Devil's Barrel? 8.7. 8.7 on there, yeah. So, and then I pulled a little bit of V Borgard for you guys right off the tank behind you. Just our, our flagship sour that we Violet. Can. You're turning Violet. Violet. Yeah. yeah, we were, uh, oh, a lot of people call us uh, the Willy Wonka Brewery. Yeah, JT came in one uh, day and we were looking for a name for that. And he yeah. says, a lot of people think we're Willy Wonka style brewery. Because all our beers are sort of, you know, a lot of flavor. A lot of, uh, and it awesome. brings you back to your childhood, right? Dude, so, I love Willy Wonka. It's one yeah, of my favorite movies. Yeah. That right there, that reminds me of like, uh, like blueberry nerds. It kind of, you know what I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a tart, right? Every every sour we make, you know, we we, we pull like, from a, like a warhead, and they like are a warhead. tart. That was good. We don't mess around with tart beer. Yeah, it's if it's gonna be tart, it's gonna be tart. That is tart. I want to face puckering, and I tell a lot of people too, because uh, out here in Havasu, especially, most people haven't been exposed to sour beer. You know, um, we have a craft beer market out here, but they're still very much. You know, dark beers, aged beers, IPA style craft market. They're not they're not segmenting and moving themselves out into sour beers and, and hazies and things like that. So when you when you put something up on the board and you tell them sour, the initial response when we put V Borgard on tap was 
you know, everybody looked at us with a stank face, like sour beer. Ugh, is it supposed to be weird? Is it supposed to be bad? Or what, what's the deal? I was like, just just taste one. Oh, I don't think I'm going to like it. And then you taste it, and it's, you know, it's like oysters. You either love it or you hate it, you know? My first exposure to sour beer was 13 years ago. I was working for a distributor oh, wow. up in Northern California. And my GM at the time, we were out at an event, and we got there early, and he goes, hey, have you ever heard... Have you ever tried sour beers? I said, I never even heard of sour beers. He goes, believe me, it's an acquired taste, but in 10 years, these, this is going to be a phenomenon. Mm. And so we tried it, and I couldn't stand it. It, yeah. it. it was an acquired taste, and here we are 13 years later. Not only are sours as popular and as common as they currently are, but I love them. Yeah. I love them. And I, thinking back to that particular one, that was awesome. Now that I think about it, it was a, like a dark cherry See, sour. that's how it was when I tasted that um, sour at New Belgium. You know, it was it was barrel-aged. I think it was, um, I'm trying to remember the name of their bases, but the, they ran two bases for their sour beer program, you know, a dark and a light. And I think it was their Oscar is the, the base. And, and they dry hopped it. And it's actually when I was just starting to get into beer in the first place, you know, I was just starting to educate myself and learn more about hops. And a dry hopped sour beer, like it was tart and it cut the bitterness of a hop flower, but it like magnified the flavor and the smell of that hop. So the specific hop they hit it with, it was super floral. It was like eating a flower, right. but without all the bad crap that comes from eating flowers. <laughs> you know, it was it was so good. I was obsessed with it. And that's where it came in. That was good. All right, we got one more. What yep. is it? So I poured you some Brother Dewey's. So Brother Dewey's 2017, last year. So it's already a year old once we put it in 2017. So you're drinking it now. It's two years old. Okay, and so when did this start? When did you start uh, brewing this? So we started brewing this um, almost right out of the gate. Inside of the, the first year, we started brewing it and sampling it around. Um, we brew it with uh, it basically a brown ale, um, and we brew it with you know 220 pounds of dates straight out of Yuma. So we get organic grown dates out of Yuma, and um, brew it with dates, and we brew it with uh, blue clover honey straight out of Cottonwood. So it's you know, aside from the, the malt base that's in it, it's all local ingredients that nice. we throw into it. Um, and it brings dates was totally different. You don't you don't hear that yeah. very often. Right. The period period dates. We've experimented a couple of different times. You know, at the time when me and Colby started brewing it, it was like uh, we'd brew it and we'd tried putting the dates in the fermenter. We'd try putting them in the boil kettle. We tried doing this, and you know, we've we've figured out through trial and error the best place to add those dates into it, so you don't, you don't have so much of a mess to clean up to later. Right. But. When you initially brew it, it's super heavy on the dates, and it's super boozy. And the more it ages, and the more it kind of mellows out. It's very good, man. Yeah. Dude, love your beers. I always have. Love you guys. Um, I'm glad that we were able to do this. Um, any Anything else you want to throw in there? Talk about College Street? Yeah, I think I've... I think I've said all that needs to be said, Orlando. Oh, were you talking? <laughs> I didn't even realize. Yeah, who's this guy? <laughs> JT's over here sweating like something that sweats a lot. It's a little warm in here. It's his male stripper days again. Yeah, but I sweat just because I'm a big fella. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for having us. It's really yeah, good it to see you. Awesome. You know, I, you and I are the same industry. Right? We uh, hardly see each other. Ocean Crossy. I think we see each other on the 40 waving going the other way. <laughs> Making fun right. of each other via text message and whatnot. Uh, yeah, yeah, more or This or makes me want to start our own sp- our own podcast. Yeah, we should. Just sit there and do this. Or yeah, we're yeah, yeah. Have I think you guys can. We're going to have yeah. yeah. 10 or 15 people to listen to it, no problem, right? That's a lot. Of course, they all work here, and we'd be requiring them to listen to it. <laughs> Mandatory. <laughs> Mandatory listening. This well, is guys, thanks for again. Day. This is awesome. So those of you that are listening, um, you can find tapthataz.com. You can find that on their website. On Instagram, it's tapthataz.podcast. Um, azfoodandbeer.com and at azfoodandbeer. 
So when you have an opportunity, please go ahead and look at those. But um, thank you, JT. Yeah, thank, thank you, Jason. You. Thank you. Uh, yeah. More power to Cause Street. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah.